This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neo Modern, and Grumpy Old Man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Reuben. How are you doing? Doing very well. Um, had a fantastic weekend, so I think it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you just have a really good weekend, and you kind of start the next week strangely energized. It's it's like, oh, this is how they're supposed to work. I don't think it's strangely energized. I think that's exactly how energizing works. You have this terrific weekend, <laughs> and then you can just go have your week. I just your, think it's been a long time since I think I've had a, a good weekend. That's what it is. I think it's sort of a Saturday feels like a Tuesday and you're behind your screen and I actually completely closed it down and yeah, it was it was really, really lovely. So that's nice. coming back refreshed. How about you? How was your weekend? I had a great weekend also and I'm in Santa Cruz now and it's, it was a, I mean, it was a little smoky at first, but uh, it kind of blew out and it's been beautiful here. So I'm feeling vindicated for having pulled out of the city and come down here yeah, now because it's definitely nice. happy to have the smoke uh the smoke has cleared which actually is a kind of a perfect segue for our guest today who i'm super excited to talk about another reason i'm energized well it was cool <laughs> well we were talking just on the last show about some of my experiences visiting friends who had lost things in the fires around santa cruz so like I, i'm I'm back in town, but it's a current topic here. And of course, now it's a, it's a current topic all over the Bay Area. But as we were discussing it, um, a, a photographer came to mind that I felt like I would have more to say about this than me, certainly. And, uh, and so I wanted to introduce you to a photographer who I, I've not um, met personally, but I have known by reputation for many years. She's a wonderful photographer. Um, Norma Quintana. Norma, this is Suzanne. Hi, Norma. Nice to meet you. Yes, nice to meet you. Um, you have got, uh, like, a, a, of course, a wonderful pedigree. You've studied with a lot of really amazing photographers. I happen to be a big fan of Mary Ellen Mark, and I understand you studied with her. Is that right? You know, I did. Um, I consider myself essentially self-taught, and but she was one of those people that I was, I've always been drawn to. So I took a class uh, in Oaxaca, Mexico, actually. Oh. And oh. Um, is spent... that where she's based full time? No, she was based in um, New York, um, but she would hold um, workshops. Mm-hmm. And so I attended one called um, A World Observed. And so I spent an entire week there. Um, and just really, it was was really transforming. It was pretty wonderful. But yes, and she was one of these people that I really loved her work. And so I was drawn to to something she had to say. That's so cool. I, I, by some means of explanation, can you talk a little bit about uh, the work you did in 2017 and what happened to you that, I mean, you have a lot of wonderful photography, but that particular project um, was very powerful for me, and I, I imagine for you as well. Can you talk a little about the fire? Yes. Um, so I unfortunately lost, um, we lost our home in 2017 at the Atlas Peak Fire. So in, it actually will be, in three days, will be our third year anniversary. 
Where is oh, that? The fire. Where, where is that? that so that was in Napa, California, uh, in the wine country. And so it was in the very beginning, if people may recall, of these, the beginnings of these fires um, in 2017, and it, which lasted probably three weeks. And so it was on the eve of that series of fires. And to just to give a little background, so we, of course, we lost our, our home and studio, um, and I'm a photographer, and my work is, is predominantly uh, analog photography. So I shoot with film. Um, I have a large camera, a Hasselblad, and so that's my work was in that, in that field. So in October of 2017, um, um, it, we basically ran out of the house um, with no warning and no Nixel, because Nixel is relatively new, and Nixel, for those who may not know, are these, these ways that, are, you're, uh, that the county or the you know, communicates with you and lets you know what's going on. Oh. So, um, so we basically left never thinking, because I didn't live in a very um, forest. It wasn't, there weren't a lot of trees. I lived in a, you know, in a country club area and um, I was not expecting to, to uh, anything to happen. But the next day um, we got a photo actually from a neighbor with the image of our fireplace in our driveway. That was it. That was it. So as a visual artist, I first thing I said is, first of all, what is that? Second, (laughs) followed by what does it mean? Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I said was, what does it mean? And my husband said, I think it's gone. And I thought, well, what's that? What do you mean it's gone? It can't be because I had no experience. I hadn't even seen anybody lose their house. This, this is, was totally new to me. So, so that was kind of like the beginning of a very long journey for me, just visually, just you know, leaving the house and then seeing in a text an actual small photo of um, our fireplace. That did you um, take anything with you? I mean, because you were leaving, not expecting it to be right. anything. Actually, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. If, you know, if I thought we were not going to come back, I probably would have taken certainly more, but no, I didn't. We just left with our cars and um, our computer and our cell phone. I had to wake up my teenage daughter who was deep asleep. My, my son who was living with us. And then my mother-in-law who um, was also living with us and just had to wake everybody up after somebody had called me. Um, and I finally answered after the third try to tell me that there was a fire behind our house. It's such a a catastrophic loss. I mean, it's just complete. It's so complete. You had uh, an art collection of photographs, right? Yes. And you just left them there and took off, right? right? So, so in my house, I had a studio and I didn't, I don't shoot. I do environmental work or I shoot you know, um, and with available light. So, but I did have a studio. I was blessed enough to have a studio and I had this huge, I had my own collection of exhibition prints of my work on circus life. And we can talk a little bit later about that. But mm-hmm. um, so I had those prints, I had copies, I had um, my ongoing body of work. I had my, I have a backdrop body of work um, that burned all my art books, it, everything in my home of over around 30 years, just disappeared 
it was gone. There was no, um, so, 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 and going back, first thing is, um, I was homeless, never been homeless in my life. And I come from a pretty, pretty, um, you know, uh, working class, um, you know, um, um, you know, background and, you know, where my parents uh, were um, factory workers. I mean, and, and, and we've, we struggled financially and never was homeless, but this is the first time I've been homeless. I'm just, I'm going back to this, like you're in this place of disbelief and then you have to eventually like pack up and go somewhere. But in between that moment, what does your body do? Like, I think I would throw up to be honest. Right. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, um, it, first of all, I don't even recall. It went. It was like a. I remember at one point a week had gone by, and someone said, "Well, you know, last week." And I thought, "What do you mean last week?" I mean, that's how what happens to time. Um, possibly because I had a teenager, um, I just got into this, you know, place of like, "What's next? Let's go there. Let's go to the, you know, go to Target. Let's go get some, you know, toiletries. Let's just get some basics." And so it was, it's, it's like, you just go forward. You, you don't really try to, it, it, you're not as aware of, you know, how you feel until later. And so when I found myself at least having a home, I just couldn't believe that we were blessed enough to be able to have a friend who had a home that we can just go to. A lot of people just went to someone's home. They had to separate because there were too many of them. If they have a pet or pets, um, that was um, a little harder. And so we all went together as a, as a family into one place. And then that's when um, I fell apart. That's when you just, you just weep. You don't know um, how to negotiate your feelings. So I just allowed myself to just have this like primal, um, reaction. And, um, and then I got myself together and then I wanted to go back to my home. And it was interesting because not everybody wants to do that. Yeah. What was that time frame between Getting to this other place and actually starting the process of decide right. decide how did exactly. you decide to take the pictures? Right. So so you the thing is that when these fires occur, I mean they block everything, so you have no access, even if you want to. So of course we had friends who decided to go back, but they went through the back side of the property or they went on their bikes, but it's pretty much totally closed. So we would um, go to the entrance of a road and then they would say, nope, can't go in. But we went immediately. So it's an interesting, not everybody does that. I did. Most people do that if they have a pet or they, or if they are missing something. So we ended up um, going, I think on the second day, got on a, we actually got in line and then these um, patrols will then pick up the families and say, are you together? kind of like COVID, like, are you together? If you're together, you can come in the car and they will take you to your property. So we ended up doing that. We, my husband and I, and my oldest daughter um, got in line early in the morning and decided to go to the property. Um, and um, as an aside, I'm still in touch with 
um, Barbara and Paul, that's their names, of the, of the uh, troop, the sheriffs that took us uh, to, to the property. And they were just very kind. And it you was- said they were a married couple, or maybe I read yes. that in one of your no, no, no. stories. Yes, they were a married couple and they were these <laughs> sheriffs. And so they got in and we got in their car and they took us to our property. Are you carrying and a camera? No, okay. no, I'm just, I have my phone. Um, I have obviously my N95, I have gloves. Um, Cause you're, you know, we knew it was not going to be very safe. Cause remember the fires are still going, but we were able to go now. I, I don't know if you can do that now. I don't think they could would have moved that quickly, but then they allow us to go. So we drive up and the Barbara and Paul, were just really exquisite. They just basically said, listen, you take as long as you want. We'll be right here. And and they just sat there. And then we went up to the house. And I just, like I said, I could not believe it. There was, it was as if there was an explosion. So there was no evidence of a home there. That's how strong this particular fire was. Hmm. Um, I mean, I kept looking, thinking, wait, what am I looking at? And there was nothing. It was just a pile of rubble. Um, I didn't see a, a resemblance of an entrance. I didn't see a fireplace. I didn't see anything. I just saw rubble. Uh, it, it, was, it, it was pretty epic. And I did remember thinking, wow, this is, must be what, in that time I said, must be what Syrians experience. I remember thinking about Syria like and wartime. Maybe a, yeah. Right, wartime. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of have to be there and you just observe. And I just kept looking and looking and looking. And then I found myself um, just kind of looking at anything to see if I could see anything that resembled an object and I didn't really initially until I really started to kind of with my boots kind of move things around and all of a sudden I remember the first thing I saw was this one small harlequin French pin if you can believe it and I know it because it was mine and I and I I it was intact and I thought what because it, it, it was in my it was in the upstairs floor anyway so where it was was not where where it happened to land right and so i still remember that moment of almost regaining something that represented home at that moment i remember thinking okay this is something i had sometimes it doesn't take much you know, no. sometimes it's like the smallest, the right. smallest thing right. and it can bring back a lot. Right, right. So you had a process. You had to, at some point, cross over and decide, this is how I, I want to process my loss or my pain. What, how did you come to that? Right, right. So I think, I think as, a, as an artist and as a documentarian, I mean, I do go into that first gear, of, you know, in terms of life. I mean, I really do... Um, as, as I've always done, which is to whether I had an Instamatic camera or a Polaroid, it didn't really matter. I wanted to document. 
But I didn't do that initially. I just got into a discovery stage. I kind of looked, I looked around, and then my 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 one daughter would say, look, mom, I found this. And so she would find something. And then I found something else. And at this point, the sheriffs are saying, you know, we don't have much longer. We got to go because it's very toxic. And then would put them on the side of the road, not the road, but like the driveway that was that you that could stand on. And I started driveway. to just pile it up, just mm-hmm. started to pile up, you know, objects, anything. And um, And I would say that they were just kind of like, I call them domestic objects, you know, like um, a spoon, um, anything that just, it wasn't like, I mean, they were burnt, but I knew what they were. And you, these photographs, um, just to describe it to the, to the listeners, you photographed a lot of these objects on top of like a black, uh, sort of a black latex glove, I believe. Yes. Right. And that was, um, can you talk about why, like why you made that choice and what that represented to you in the composition? Right. So I think initially I, there wasn't a plan. I didn't have a plan to do anything with the objects. Um, But as, like I said, as a documentarian, I just wanted to capture them. Right. So I found myself kind of holding them. Um, To me, they were altered, of course, but I wanted to somehow remember them. It just, I immediately went into remembering them. And I, because I didn't even know if at that time that these things were going to be kept. I just pulled them. So I stayed with that process. And so I think as I was kind of doing my own inventory of found objects, um, then I think my next level was I started to kind of look around and I had my glove, obviously, because I had gloves. And I thought, well, how about if I, you know, at first I thought I was just going to do them on the ground, but nothing was, you know, visually. The, the uh, typewriter was something. on the ground. One of your prints, it is on a ground and then more were not. I wondered. So, right. Yeah. Right. So, so, so the first thing I did was I would choose the objects. I would put them on the side. And then, then I saw that the, uh, one of my typewriters, I had a collection of typewriters and I thought, oh my God, there's the typewriter. So I pulled that out, I put it on the ground and I took a photograph of that. Um, and then um, there, the other things that I put on the ground were, I call them the trades. You'll see them um, um, if you look at the at your site next in the, in the future, but they were these trays um, that I had and I pulled some of the trays out and whatever was in the tray I would photograph. And so I ended up doing that. Um, I think... For me, the glove was the one consistent thing. So I thought if I wanted to just document them, let me put them in a very similar spot. It's almost like a backdrop. Mm-hmm. And so I made that decision just aesthetically as a, as a photographer. I made a decision to put, it, to put them on the glove because that was consistent. And then I would take a photograph. Did, now, you, did you try? Um, I'm just curious from a... As an Absolutely. artist, did you try uh, for each object? Did you maybe shoot it on the glove, shoot it on a different backdrop, shoot it a bunch of different ways, unsure w- what might be the one you liked the most? Or did you know immediately this is the the method? They'll always be on a glove yeah. and I won't even shoot it another way. Uh, it was immediate. It mm-hmm. was pretty immediate because I aesthetically, uh, it would pop, you know, so because of the, the glove was dark 
the object was very, you know, would pop. Now, the other thing that um, the listeners um, may not know is that um, I lost everything, which means I lost all my cameras. So the only camera I had was my iPhone. <laughs> so it was my iPhone X. Wow. So, um, and so it wasn't like I had time to go get a camera, buy a camera, replace a camera, but I, the only camera. And what's really ironic is that um, I've been asked in the past about photography and whether I would do digital. And I've always said, oh, no. So it took, <laughs> it took a disaster. <laughs> Well, the world would have to be ending for me to go switch yes. to my iPhone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, so the only camera I had was my iPhone. And it's... and at that point, I never imagined that I would even do anything, by the way, for the listeners, that I would do anything with the work. So remember, I'm still in that moment. It's a very you're personal documenting, moment. You're processing. Right. You're like trying right. to heal. Right. It was, I had no idea that they would even show up as a print. Because remember, I'm, on, I'm using, I, I'm accustomed to a darkroom, a wet darkroom. I don't know what it's like to, to be in a, to, to print out anything digitally. I have no idea. So um, didn't even know that could happen with the images that were so small on my phone could be made into a print. So I wasn't even going there at all whatsoever. But you have um, printed them now, right? They're in a show. I have, yes, yes. And so, um, but I remember even that process of, of so, so in backing up, so uh, one thing that I think is, is made this experience a little different than maybe others is that I see a lot of photos out there of uh, environments, um, haunting landscapes, um, uh, people in front of, uh, of the destroyed home. And I knew then that I didn't want to show you my house destroyed. Mm -hmm. I, it was very um, immediate. I didn't want to show you, you know, the front of my house burnt. But somehow as an artist, I wanted you to see something more intimate and maybe something very um, domestic and that's something you could relate to, like uh, a pin or um, um, a part of a camera. I don't know, whatever it is that you have in your collections and the things that you love. So I I'm curious, after losing all these physical objects and in particular losing all the, the prints you had, your, your stuff, um, right. your own work and the stuff you collected are, does it put you off of printing or the physicality of photography or do you just go back? Do you, you start printing again and you start collecting again or are you changed right. about your feelings about stuff? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a, uh, that's a, a lot of people ask me that particularly because my home was some, a lot of people thought it was like a museum. I had, you know, anytime I sold a print, I bought a print. So I supported art artists. Um, I had many, you know, after have, you know, I have three children. So I had everything you can imagine you save from your children. Um, um, I had many collections. I had lots of installations. And so in a way, uh, it, what it made me think about is that, you know, in the Western culture, we're so burdened by our things, right? I mean, often people thought, oh, I, I should just get rid of this, or why do I have all these books, or 
um, I mean, it's really a, a struggle for a lot of people. I think it's very mm -hmm. common. I had the same struggle um, with things. But um, now, three years later, I have um, a growing collection of art books. Um, I finally have um, some prints up. And so the things that really comforted me are in my life. I just don't have 30 years of it. Mm -hmm. I no longer have the things that I had 25 years ago in my home. I have what's, you know, the work and art and photos that I can print now. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And and so you had actually have two questions. One um, that I'm just thinking of, but the work that you had hanging on your walls, was any of it digitized? Were you able to sort of reprint anything that you now have hanging on your walls again? Like these, like you're saying, these things that comfort you, these, these right. sort of familiar pieces, um, or was it all just completely, it was only analog and it's completely gone? Right. So in terms of my own personal work, uh, as life would have it, um, the negatives were with my master printer. I have an amazing, oh. am amazing person. <laughs> yes. That's a lucky it just turned out we never got it together and she never sent them to me. And I remember thinking even the week before, I'm like, I had to get these negatives into my dark room. I shouldn't have them where she has them. Anyway, she has yay, them. So every storm has a silver yay. lining. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so, and that was my 10 years of traveling with the circus, which is another, that I did obviously analog. Um, I did have a couple of, um, I mean, certainly Mary Ellen Mark's work. I had, prints that are you know uh, you know gone so i yeah. don't have them so um i don't have those prints um i have to say that there were so many acts of love and support by other artists who would send me a print send me books um oh, I'd, people send me um vintage cameras they thought we well we heard you <laughs> lost your collection here's my father or my mother's camera and so um, so slowly but surely, um, it really, um, my life came back and it was, of course, once I put art up, I felt, um, uh, just a little better. Um, and it's your home. And it's my home. That makes, that, that's, I realize that that's what really turns me on. I mean, that's what's, what I love. Um, and the digital was fascinating for me because I had never printed digitally. So I felt like I was, uh, I was this young student again, because I ended up <laughs> taking these little digital, Im these images from my phone. And, and I remember having discussion with somebody um, saying, well, do you have the raw um, file? <laughs> and I thought, what does that mean? <laughs> I never, and then I've never printed uh, color and these are all color. Oh yeah. So I didn't know how to describe that. Now I can talk to you about a darkroom experience, but I don't know how to describe. I didn't know how to describe. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I can you know dodge, and I can tell you what's hot. I mean, those these terms that happen in, in the in the darkroom. So that was fascinating. High learning curve for me. Well, and I love that feeling of being a kid again. Like, how did you mm -hmm. first get into photography? Were you were you young? Where did you get into it later? Yeah. So, um, so I'm, you know, my background is in um, social justice. I have a background. I went to uh, oh, really? Case Reserve, right? So I have a background in social justice. Um, fast forward, ended up coming from the Midwest to um, 
California and worked in the corporate world for a while. Well, my husband was studying medicine and then um, then moved up to Napa. And I had that kind of breakdown, breakthrough experience of uh, being a new mom and figure, trying to figure out what I really wanted to do with my life. And um, as I started to uh, explore it, I realized that I wanted to do photography. And then I pretty much knew that I wanted to do fine art photography mm-hmm. and w- went to the Art Institute. And I thought, oh, I don't need another degree. I need to learn the craft of photography. And so this is where my workshop experience came in. And I studied with different people and went to different lectures and highly recommend that to anybody who's interested in going forward with their photography is to really um, just learn, you got to learn the craft. I mean, for me, it was, yeah, it was the craft. I mean, I'm not very technical and I still am not very technical, um, but um, you can get around that. And so you're technical enough to worked in a dark room though. I mean, you know how to handle film and Right. But it was not, that's not my, where I'm really, really super happy. Hmm. I'm happy (laughs) out with my camera documenting, um, and do you and still then, do you still put the uh, you channel your social um, issues into your photography? Do you work? Um, have you managed to uh, recapture well, the that circus project? I mean, the yeah, circus the circus is, is yeah, exactly. Why don't you tell us about that? Why don't you tell us about that? All right, so let's 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 go to the circus. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to go to the <laughs> so, circus. Um, I'd always like to go to the circus. I know. Um, so 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 I found myself wanting to do some work, and I the circus came to town, and I thought, well, I'll just you know photograph them and so um but of course you just can't go to a circus and photograph i mean you can't so i nope Mm. you go to the front desk and you say to them can i and at first they think you're press they have no idea what you want to do and i remember that the owner from hugo oklahoma so this is a small one ring american circus so this cool. is not many circuses. This is one one circus. Said, well, if the trapeze family thinks that you can come to back in the back, you can. And so <laughs> I entered, So I met the trapeze family, and then they said, sure. What are you going to do with them? And I said, well, I'm an artist, and I'm, I only shoot film, black and white. And they looked at me and they said, ah, an artist. <laughs> I remember that. And so I started to photograph them thinking I'll just photograph them, you know, a couple of days. And to my family's horror, um, I would stay with them for hours and hours and hours and then for a whole week. And then they had to pack up and leave. And I went down and I followed them to the next town and the next town. And I did this for 10 years. Wow. wow. Where you, I photographed. You did. You moved in with the circus. You ran I did. away. You ran away <laughs> with the did. circus. Awesome. Yes. And, um, and it was interesting because right after the fire, um, the circus family, one of the circus family calls me. I remember I was on the speaker phone on my phone and he said, oh, Norma, Norma, oh, how horrible you lost your home. Come and live with us at the circus. And I'm like, well, where are you? <laughs> and they were like, well, we're in Paris. I said, Paris, where are you in Paris? They're like, Paris, Texas. Oh. <laughs> went, ah. So the humor is there. But anyway, they, they are my family. They're an incredible group of different people from different walks of life in the tradition of circus. And so for 10 years, I documented them and I created a monograph. It's called Circus, A Traveling Life. 
I've yeah, seen so, only some of these photos and they are, I just for the viewers or, or listeners, like they're stunning. Like they're, they are very like uh, Dion Orbis-esque in a way where you're getting like a personal moment with these people and you, you see them, you see them even if they're in their costume, but they're with their family or they're getting ready or they're walking by and you seem to have these like moments of connection in each one of these photographs. How did you possibly edit 10 years of pictures? down to um, one volume? Well, you know, the great thing about doing, for me, analog is that instead of looking at a file with a hundred photographs of the same moment, you, I would say a hundred, but um, you basically have 12 shots in the roll or 24. So just the process of editing, just, just lowering that amount. I mean, I think you're forced to just look at them carefully and choose. So, um, and since for the 10 years I kept editing that by the time I wanted to do a book, it's so interesting, um, as you both would know that when you, when you edit initially, you're pretty right on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can go back and look, but you're, but that editing initially, if you've done it enough, you, you just nail it. You just go, yeah, that still continues to be the best one in the role. I, I will, will say, once in a blue moon, I've gone back and looked at sort of the rejects from that initial mm -hmm. thing. And the initial mm -hmm. ones are always good, but sometimes they're um, like the pop. They're like yeah. immediately gratifying. Right. But like you actually, right. as you go back and look through them, it's like, I you know what? I didn't think I liked that one, but now that's more unusual or... I was going to ask yeah. Norma, was she ever surprised, even though her first edit was, you know, mm -hmm. kind of nailed it. But was there ever a surprise photo that you you fell in love with a second time? A second time uh, of the same image or another image? Just maybe one that didn't make the cut. You one that right. you're like in the in right. the first pass, you, right. you actually went back as you were going um, as, as you're right. looking through everything again. I, I think if you, if I was, you know, I did a book. And so when you do a book, um, I have this woman. um um, her name is Yolanda Cuomo. She's a stunning um, um, book designer out of New York. And she had done Diane Arbus's um, different books and Avedon. So she is definitely has this eye. She actually asked me to give her all as many contact sheets. So this is when I had my dark room. Wow. So when I sent her the, the contact sheets, which I thought, wow, that's amazing. She then pulled and said, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And so in that process of doing a book, I was able to kind of rediscover some images that that added to the story of Circus A Traveling Life. So, interesting. so, yeah. so I had that experience, which was really interesting. It was, um, and there were a couple, I have to say that we negotiated and I negotiated that I did not want because, you know, editing is so key, it just, one was just, I remember having a discussion and I just felt like it didn't, I, it, it, you know, I was there since I was there, I knew, and it didn't represent that moment that I was there. <laughs> it might've been captured, but it really didn't represent. So, so I had the luxury of being able to go back and forth, but it is a good question about when you look back at your contact sheets for those who, um, you know, uh, Michael, you may want to tell people what a contact sheet is. <laughs> I don't think they're going to, I think, uh, we're, you know, forget you should, it. You know, forget it. It's like, you guys don't know what a contact sheet. No, I right, wonder, right. I mean, some photojournalists, um, certainly that we've talked to on the show, but who I've also met will describe 
going out in the field, and then they send their whole role back to headquarters where the editor, the photo editor, goes through their stuff. So sometimes they aren't even participating in the selection, and it's a different experience. Like, it's interesting mm-hmm. to have someone else who wasn't there maybe picking out pictures, and I wondered if there was uh, – conflict in that like where you here you're an artist and you pick out the things you think are like are great and then there's this editor and she has got a ton of amazing experience and she might see something different what was that interaction like right um so there's two different relationships so there's one that i'm with the printer my master printer her name is leslie kossoff and because she and I would look at contact sheets together. Mm-hmm. So this is somebody who's been doing my work. She has got, she's an incredible editor. So that was one relationship. Often that was back and forth. In designing a book, it's it depends. I think it's a very different experience and they have a totally different hit on your work. Um, it, um, it, it's interesting because you get very attached to the ones you love and you just got to mm-hmm. let it go. <laughs> And um, and then be open, and then it's a journey of another story. So it's a it's a very different process. I would say you get to negotiate, but at the end of the day, it's the 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 now the next thing is the book, and so um, and it's a very uncomfortable feeling, by the way, because yeah. it makes you um, you need to let go of an image that maybe you were attached to that you think, you know, somebody may think is beautiful or stunning, but somebody else may not. And it's also about that juxtaposition. Like she's choosing sometimes sets of images that should be seen together. And that's another Oh, that's another. Yeah. That's that's another, (laughs) uh, you know, and I always, uh, you know, I've learned this, that in photography for me, and I've said, and I see if I can remember um, so one image by itself is a statement. So I always learned in doing my work that when I take a photograph, I look at it like a statement. I don't, it can't be related to anything. It's just, it is there. When you put two photographs together, um, then you have a conversation. You put them together. Then when you have three photographs together, then there's a discussion. So it's that has always been my mantra. When I shoot and I look through the viewfinder, I look at all my corners, I create. I don't actually take photographs. I make them. I like and, there's that, a, yeah. and it's a very different process in photography that I have, uh, uh, you know, um, kind of embraced, which is that I just don't take pictures. I make them. Can I ask what is your most like memorable or most, um, I'm going to use your phrasing now, your most memorable statement, uh, single photograph that you took from your circus collection? Oh, that's a good one. Um, there's one that just represented a lot of who I am, which is um this one of a woman from afar, um, but it's still environmental, that is holding a cube. It looks like a cube. And so it kind of speaks to a lot of the way I like to do images, which is I want to, I don't, I want to show you a lot. I want to show you where I was and what time it was. I mean, there's a lot of information in my photography. 
um, it, you know, it's the opposite of a very close up. I mean, I give you information. I think that that just is a, probably speaks to me. The other one was um, Deyanira and her daughter. And it was a woman who had just had a baby and she's in the circus. And then she would dress up her baby in circus attire and probably in preparation for her daughter to be in the circus. And so they immediately dress up the kids because they, it's almost like preparation, like so that you don't have all of a sudden a five-year-old and put them in an outfit. I mean, they're accustomed to having, you know, makeup on their face because their mothers are putting on makeup and, you know, funny things in their hair and that sort of thing. But I remember her love of her daughter and so that one is probably one of my favorite favorite images is Deyanita and her daughter. Hopefully we can show people that one. That's yes. I, I mean, I absolutely. picked out some of my favorites that I saw online, but uh, right. I'd love to show that. That sounds great. I know you, you lost a lot of stuff in the fire, but do you have photos on your walls now? You know, I do because um, I had, um, I had a couple of collectors who sent me back their purchase. So that was pretty, that was pretty amazing. Um, And, um, and then I had some, uh, my husband had some in his office. And so I just lined them up in a very gallery style. And so when you walk into my new home, um, they're there. And I call them vintage because they were, they were printed, you know, 18 years ago. So nothing like fiber prints, you know, for those who um, know about photography. Um, And then, um, I had um, Sally Mann send me a note and um, it was on a contact sheet. And so um, that was pretty, pretty fabulous. Um, And so, and then I've just started to collect and either through purchase or. Could you just describe the photos? One of the things that we love doing is just hearing like what they look like and hearing you describe them in your words. Let's see. Um, I do have one. Uh, I have, in terms of the photography, um, my own photography, um, you know, I have um, kind of a series of, um, the, the, you know, from like the cube to Angela's prayer. I have an image. Uh, one of the things that, that would happen is right before the, the, his act of death, they would call it, he would do the sign of a cross. So he would pray. Um, so I have moments like that. So that's the, those are kind of the images that I have from that. In terms of Forge from Fire, um, they're currently at the California Museum of Photography. I have a whole, uh, my entire body of work is there. I do have some extra ones. And those are images that I have on the wall. And they happen to be mostly about photography, my photos. So they're uh, parts of cameras because I had a big collection of them. So I have them in a series. I tend to put things in series. Um, I also have a, a friend who's a photographer who did a book on uh, body work on books. And so on my wall is one of her images. And so, um, it, you know, it's, uh, I didn't think I was going to run out of space, but I probably soon will run out of space because I'm also reprinting some of my work so that I have access to them because, because I had, an, I had boxes of exhibition um, prints done and they were all gone. So I have mm-hmm. to reprint them. And it's always a kind of almost a miracle when I look at them because I, I it takes me right back. I don't, you know, it, the, the mind cannot remember everything. So it, 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 they're just like these, these moments of like, oh, that's right. 
I took that. That's right. And so I kind of um, have that experience with all those uh, images. If I could, this is a question we like to ask all of the photographers we have on the show. Um, so I'll prep it with that. Okay. <laughs> I'll Absolutely. prepare you with that. Um, but if you could describe your photography in one word, what word would you use? Ah, what a great question. One word. That's it, huh? It's hmm. tough. Yeah. Um, We're a little flexible on ish, that. You can hyphenate. Ish. Ish. <laughs> um, there's just a couple of words that come to me. Um, hopeful. I like that. And I think it's because it's probably my nature to be very hopeful. So, I, you know, in, in, I remember in studying photography, we'd be back and forth about the whole sense of beauty and not beauty and the heart. And I always thought at the end of the day, it's about the aesthetic, right? It's, it's about what you see. And, um, and, and I think that that's why I think I was able to go back to my to the parcel or the place that my home was at. Because for me, going there was hopeful. It was like a hopeful act. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, where I would go there and I thought, okay, this was home. This was a place that was safe. Then it wasn't safe, but let me look. And then I would look and I remember thinking the light, as you know, now with the fires, the light is stunning. You couldn't pay for that. I mean, we all want that <laughs> light, you know? And it was in that experience that I was able to look down up to the side, you know, and see what I saw, whether it's a beautiful landscape, but it was burned, or I saw an object I had at home, which was burned, but it's in capturing it that was to me beautiful. And that's, I, I was drawn to it for some reason. You know, I remember, Michael, you had said that at one point you you saw things, but you almost didn't feel like you it was right for you to take a photograph of that. Right. Um, t- tell me what that was about, because I think that's the opposite of me. Well, they weren't my objects. It wasn't my home that it had burned. And so it felt like an appropriation of someone else's pain. It's almost like photographing someone at a funeral. Um, I didn't right. feel comfortable doing that. I went to I went to support a friend who had lost but I didn't feel like it was my place to do that. I was photographing the woods, the forest, other things um, about the fire experience. But I didn't want to go into his stuff, into the stuff that right. was in the in the rubble. But it right. made me realize how cathartic it would be to extract those things. That it that it wouldn't necessarily take a lot. I have lost things in a fire. I had my apartment burned down and uh, mm. uh, ten years ago. So I I kind of understand the the power in an object, and sometimes just the power in the photograph of the object. I didn't even need the thing. I just needed to feel like it had existed and been part of my life. And I was satisfied with the picture of that broken thing. And then right. I, the thing right. could go away. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, the experience that I've had, and I think it, the reason it was hopeful is that I tell people who have asked me about my loss that, you know, when I close my eyes, I still have a home. I can walk right now down a hallway and tell you what was on the left side of the hallway, on the right side, 
because the way it was, it was, it, you know, it was torn away from me. So, it, the, so it wasn't like I went through a process of letting it go and and then coming back or moving it in a box or whatever or cleaning it. It was like gone. So, things I tell people are really your memories. The reason why it's hard to let go of these things is because they're your memories. It's like if you if you so if you let go of something, you're letting go of a memory. So I think it's possible. I I'd like to think that I had that was kind of what was going on in my my head when I was photographing, mm -hmm. because I knew what they were, and I knew that when I photographed a pin or I photographed a part of a camera, there was just a whole slew of memories. And so every time I'm going to look at those photographs, even though they're they're you know they look damaged, they looked um, obviously there was a fire on them or they were tarnished to me there's behind all that there was a lot so um i think what i tell people is embrace your stuff um d uh, don't be so burdened by them um it's you usually it's it's a very artful probably how you acquired them you either you inherit those objects they remind you of something and so I think that's a that's a big lesson. I, I um, that's why when people say, well, at least I remember being very annoyed when people would say, well, you know, you have your life still and whatever. And it was almost like they were negating my memories. And so I tell people that there, it's you know that the, that these are more than things. It's more than stuff. It's it's really your memories. And so Absolutely. and I have those. I just, I loved how you were kind of tying that all together. And I was wondering if you maybe had any recommendations. There's so many people that have been effect, affected by fires in the past few months and, and years, uh, honestly. Okay. Um, so people that may have friends that, that have dealt with this or, you know, people that are listening themselves. But is there anything that you'd like to say as a recommendation? This is, this right. time only exists for, it's very finite, um, recovering right. from a fire. Any recommendations that you would like right. to share? Well, I think that um, what I would do is, um, I've always said I've, that, you, you only have to do one thing, right? So um, so if you know anybody, if you even heard of anybody, just do one thing. Don't ever ask them if they need anything. Just do it. So that's number one. Um, often what really helped me was when people would start sending me photographs. And I know there are a lot of them are now digitized, but you know, if you can have photographs printed of maybe a visit or whatever, have them printed and then send it to them. Because once you start getting those images of, you know, maybe an experience you had together um, or uh, a place or um, so, so I would recommend people do that. Um, um, write to them, send them a note, um, because I think all of it helps. I think they're pretty traumatized right now. I know it when I see these people, um, uh, several have reached out to me because I put it on Facebook to go ahead and share my name or my contact. And, and they've reached out to me and called me and I've spoken to them, which was really wonderful and told them that I can, that I can imagine because I can, and that, um, you know, I gave them tips on some things to do right away and then to ask for, um, support 
and go ahead and ask people because people are just wonderful and kind. And during these times where everything's so divided, it's a it's it's a, it's a sense of community is is pretty wonderful. So I um, and it was interesting because I in my show in in down in uh, UC Riverside, I um, I'm in a group show, and when I walked in, it, it was fascinating because I was I was it was really kind of hard for me initially because there were a lot of images by the photojournalists like Noah Berger mm -hmm. and all these people who have been taking photographs. But then you go into the middle of the exhibition and it's my work. And what was great about the curator, he thought that my work was the heart and soul of the exhibition because you can see these images of the fire, but then you go in and that he put me perfectly in the place. And when I was talking to Noah and some of these guys, they were at the fire that destroyed my house through, you know, three years later, I'm talking to them and they said, yes, we were right behind your house. Wow. So they were working up there. Wow. So that was an interesting connection of they, and they said it was very powerful. So wow. Norm, this is, uh, it's wonderful to, to have you on this show. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. We kind of, kind of, uh, wrap it all up. Um, Let's see. Do we have any last questions? Oh, why don't you tell us um, before we go where people can see your work right now and how to to learn more about what you're up to, and find out where to buy the circus. That's um, right. Yes, the, the circus book. A, a book. Okay. So, um, in terms of the circus book, um, the you know I um, you can actually get them from me because I actually edition and signed a book and sent it to you. Cool. So, Very so you cool. can go to my website, normaikintana.com. So that's number one, uh, and also prints. Um, in terms of my current work, Forge from Fire, it's at the California Museum of Photography at UC Arts, and they're beginning to open. Um, I had an opening the, the week before the fire, and then they closed it, but I think people can now go there and see the work. You should see it because it's about, uh, um, it's called Facing Fire. Um, I'm on Instagram under Norma Quintana, Facebook, all the platforms reach out to me. I love, I love social media. So I like to reach out and, and my Instagram is more about what I see. So, uh, it's not about work. It's about kind of my experience and I don't post anything, uh, until I have something to say, which is the mm. other reason that, um, um, that's how I shoot when I feel like I have something to say. And one last thing, I'm back to photographing um, using my Hasselblad and film. No and more iPhone? Light. No more iPhone? No more iPhone. Okay. Nope, no more iPhone. Um, and I am photographing from the series that you'll see called Forget Me Not, where I photograph people that I don't want you to ever forget. Wow. Oh, we'll have to have you back to hear about that. I've seen yes. some of those images on your website, so I'm excited. Yes. Cool. And well, thank you for this opportunity. I, I'm, I love podcasts. I'm crazy about your podcast. So thank <laughs> you for having me on your show. Awesome. Oh, thank you, Norma. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco and now Santa Cruz. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos and post comments. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. And please leave reviews and ratings, especially if you like us. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. So if you know someone who will get something from us, please send them a link. Thank you to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music. Norma, thank you for joining us today and all of you for hanging out. We appreciate your attention and hope you've given me some things to think about. Until next time. <laughs>